Hey Isaac, welcome on board. Here, we invite you to listen to various industry leaders. Announce the name millennials. To share their stories. Hop on and you shall listen, learn and lead. Welcome back to our Walkie Talkie podcast series. My name is Jin Singh and I'll be your host today alongside with my co-host, Jin Yi. Hi. And yeah, I know it's been a while since we posted a podcast. But hey, here we are having the honor to invite our very first guest, Ian, who is very much an all-rounder from being part of the cabin crew of Singapore Airline to a talented musician who graduated from University of Cambridge. So hi, Ian. Thank you for sparing your time being with us today. Hi, good morning, everyone. My name is Ian, and you know, thank you for your time. Um, so, Ian, maybe you can share a bit about yourself to our audience so that our audience can know you better. All right, so good morning again. My name is Ian, and I come from Kajang, Malaysia. So, uh, right after I graduated from high school, I went to Sunway University to do a one-year pre-U course. It's called the Canadian International Matriculation Program, CAMP. And right after that, I turned about like 18 and a half years old, 19. And then I joined the uh, airlines industry for five years. So I worked for three different airlines. So I first worked for Tiger Air, which has been merged into Scoot if you guys know about that airlines. And the second airline was AirAsia X. And then I finally joined Singapore Airlines back in 2015, and I worked for them until 2017. And then I decided to study at the university afterwards. So four years of university from 2017 until this June of 2021. And I'm currently working as a music teacher in London. All right, nice. So, uh, actually, in your social media, we kind of um realized that you mentioned you have tried several times of trying to land a job in the Singapore Airlines for around two to three years. So, we were really curious, like, what keeps you motivated throughout these two to three years? Okay, for me, there are two kinds of like motivation. So obviously, I failed the interviews for about six times. And obviously, after I failed the interview, I always felt really, really sad, really, really down to the extent where uh, I would tell myself, it's fine, you know, it's the best airline in the world. Why bother trying, you know, they won't ever recruit someone like me kind of thing. So I always, uh, I took a piece of paper and I I started to just write down my feelings, okay? Uh, I'm feeling very sad now. And then um, afterwards, I will compile all these feelings and thoughts into a file. And I'll tell myself, someday when I look back, I'll tell myself that, uh, you know, luckily I, I keep on trying and that's why I'm, I'm here. You know, that, that's my way to motivate myself. And also, um, when I was lost, when I was deciding, oh, whether or not like shall I, you know, try the interview again, I will always uh, keep doing whatever that I have been doing, my hobbies, like playing music, uh, playing the piano on my own. And also uh, because I play the trumpet and flute 
in orchestra, so I will uh, you know, perform with other musicians as well. That's how I kept myself motivated and still doing that now. And yeah, and I also talk to your friends about it when you, you know, you fail your interview or you know, you don't get what you want to like pursue. I think that's really important. And also talk to the right people. Because some people uh, or friends, they might just give you negative negative, you know, thoughts and stuff. Uh, so know when to who to go and when to go. Yeah. Yeah. That's my advice. I can pretty relate to the negative friends kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, you know, some friends yeah. they're there for you, you know, like when when you're sad, right? Okay, can you guys can go like have like bubble tea sash or or maybe, you know, talk about it. They'll just tell you, ah yeah, it's fine, you know, kind of thing. Maybe you guys can hang out for movie sash or karaoke. Okay. You can relax for a while. But I think it's important in life that you need friends to motivate you, like, you know, okay. At first stage, they'll go it go uh go through everything with you, like you know, fine, you know, go and you know, do something, make make yourself happy. And afterwards, they should you know motivate you, you know, don't forget your dream, go and chase something like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, so Ian, like, what was the main reason that you joined the cabin crew after all the efforts you have put in, and then you resign after two years and pursue your studies? Okay. Uh, the main reason that I resigned from the airlines was because you know, like I've been watching a lot of like movies and reading a lot of like, you know, random Facebook articles or some Instagram Instagram posts. Uh, all these articles or posts said that, um, you know, when you grow old someday, when you look back, but don't ever have regrets. So this kind of inspired me a little bit like, oh, actually, I, I like to do music. But I always told myself, you know, oh, most of my friends, uh, they went to uni at 18 years old, if not 19, if you did A-level. So to me, I thought like, it's fine, lah, you know, I'm already 22, 23, you know, it's, it's late. And you know, there's this sort of like Asian kind of like stigma, like, oh, if you're 20 something, you're a little bit too old for uni kind of thing. But after coming to the you know West and talk to people, I just realized that it's so normal to further your studies, even you're like 30 or 40 or something. People don't really care about your age. So uh, the more I talk to my ex-colleagues about my thought, which is I only have one regret, which is uh, I didn't do music. I didn't study music at university. So I kind of took a leap of faith and, you know, that's why I'm here. It's, a, I, it's about reading random posts. You know, it's a strange way to re realize this, but that's what happened, actually. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I enjoyed teaching music and performing as well. So on top of flying and exploring different places, I only did music and I still do music. So, so I thought, why not make my passion, my career kind of thing. So it eventually happened. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Because if you have passion for like certain things, it's like you give your best in everything you do. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. But sometimes, uh, like that's the way people 
go for a degree, you know, in whatever they, they really like to do, like music, for example. Sometimes it, it will happen that it, it, it might kill your passion. If it's not, you know, it, it might not be a career, but it, it's still, you know, preferably it's still uh, a hobby for some people. It, it's kind of strange. So it just happened to me that I like teaching and now I'm teaching full-time as a teacher. So I think maybe that's why. Because there's a difference between uh, performance and teaching yeah, yep. as a career. Understand. Yeah. understand. So what was your uh, family response when you first made the like the decision? Like It's like a huge transition from cabin crew right, to like studying music. Yeah, so what was your family reaction to this? Okay, they shown a very mixed reaction. Uh, to this decision because obviously working for the airlines uh, is good money. So basically, if you work for S airlines, <laughs> you kind of get a lot of money every month. So to be honest, it's a lot of money. And basically, you can just work for 10 years. You save some money, you can just buy a whole, like, quite okay condominium in Malaysia. You don't even need 10 years, maybe seven, if you save a lot of money throughout the job uh, so it was very difficult for them uh, on one hand they, they really like supported me like oh you know it's music it's something that you really like go for it but on the other hand they know that I'm kind of uh, letting go of the money the high income so uh, mixed reactions but after years they kind of uh, become a little bit okay with it now that they are really okay about it, yeah, they can see that I enjoy um, working as a teacher, and then uh, yeah, they're happy about it. We are also very happy for you that you are able to pursue your passion instead of earning yeah the big bucks. So Ian, what is the yeah. biggest challenge you have faced throughout your journey, and how do you overcome it? Wow, do you want to hear my challenges that I have faced since? The airline says, or, mm, okay, I'll just say it in a chronological or chronological order. I don't know how to say that word. Yeah. Yep, okay. Sure. So challenges, I would say, is that um, when I was working as a cabin crew member with the airlines, uh, I kind of felt a little bit, I don't know if this is the correct word, imbalanced. So I saw my friends um, going to uni at, 18 years old or 19 and I was like working and then as I turned 22 and 23 years old like most of my friends finished the degree in whatever field like marketing accounting whatever and I was still working I only had the A-level standard the pre-standard qualification and after a while um, I realized that some of my colleagues you know sometimes when you work in the aircraft uh, on on the aircraft, you might encounter like turbulence, okay? There are two types of turbulence. One is the normal one, the little shaky one, the fun ones, <laughs> which add a little bit of fun to our job, you know, you work and then you have a little bit of shake. And there's a second type of turbulence called the clear air turbulence, where the aircraft will encounter a, a clear air pocket, a region without oxygen, and the aircraft might, you know, just drop out of nowhere. So I seen my colleagues um from 
uh, you know, suffering from this sort of like clear turbulence. They kind of like sprained their ankles, and I thought to myself, what what would happen to me if you know if something like this happened to me and I only have A level qualification and what can I do? Obviously, I can teach music, but it kind of made me think a lot because of this sort of thing. It's because I const I constantly compare, you know, what would happen kind of thing and see how my friends were progressing. I compare a lot. So it's kind of good. Like it inspired me to do better. But if it affected me negatively, like if I told myself that okay, I'm I'm too old to do, you know, study, you know, uh, I might not be where I am today. So it really depends on your, you know, self-talk and self-thought process. So this is the first thing. And then um, even though I eventually decided to study overseas in the West, the hardest thing for me was to be like kind of jobless during the first few months of studies because the living expenses back in Dublin, they were like really expensive. So if you want to calculate all in rent, uh, transportation, food, everything, it's about a thousand one hundred to thousand two hundred euro. That's five thousand ringgit every month. That's not including your university fees. So like that was kind of like a shock for me, and uh, the transition from earning about fifteen thousand ringgit a month in average to nothing. That was very difficult for me, and uh, I also you know because I don't come from a wealthy family so I had to work during my uni days my first job was to work in some sort of 7-eleven they paid me the minimum wage which was about nine euro so you might think like oh uh one hour nine euro if I work 10 hours a day is about let's say 90 euro times five point something it's like wow I work 10 hours I can earn like 500 ringgit right actually it's very tough when you are like doing a full-time degree and then you work and the job is not if, if the job is related to you know what are we doing that you might it makes sense you know what I mean it makes more sense like if I teach more music lessons then uh, I'll feel like oh it's helping my degree or you know it's related but working in a 7-Eleven it was totally like different and I also uh encounter of some sort of like tricky situations like drunk customers coming in and you know ask for more alcohol then I had to decide you know whether or not like you know do I sort of sell this alcohol to him or not and also uh underage people trying to fake their IDs and you know a lot of I asked myself like is it worth it for 10 euro I mean 9 euro per hour for this it's uh very rough uh, to me, it, it was a very rough job because uh, of the area that I work in. The area that I work in, uh, it was full of people uh, who uh, take like drugs. Um, very challenging area. Most of the customers who came in only asked for alcohol, if not like cigarette. For the first time ever, I have to memorize the cigarette brand. So if you work in 7-Eleven or whatever, there's a cabinet behind you. Just, you know, like if you open it, it's like, a fridge of 20 different brands and within the same brand it's different color different like length and stuff i was very new to that 
and then sometimes I uh, got scolded for not knowing what they wanted to buy. So uh, it was very stressful working in a 7-Eleven in general. And then working, I kind of worked a lot of days, four to five days a week on top of university because I, I, I couldn't accept asking money from my parents because it was my decision to resign from the airlines. So I must, you know, pay for whatever that I'm going to spend overseas. So um, yeah, at first I worked kind of like four days, five days in a 7-Eleven, but that only lasted for three or four months because uh, I, I eventually got some teaching jobs. So I taught more hours, started from about two to three hours a week. And then I got about quite a lot of hours, like 10, 12. So eventually I could cover my rent and living expenses. But the downside was that I had kind of had no social life. Yeah, like difficult three years studying my degree at in Ireland. Because I, yes, I got scholarship. First year, I got a partial scholarship. I got 25% off from the fees. And the rest of it, I paid it myself. The 70, 75%, the residue. And my second and third year, I got full scholarship from another university. Um, yeah, it, it looks very good on paper. And in fact, it's a lot of money that I saved. But I forced myself to work. I forced myself to, you know, no matter what, I need to work and pay my rent off. I don't want to graduate from uni and look back and, oh, I have a few hundred thousand ringgit of debt. So I really worked very hard. So there were times I thought to myself, like, I, you know, like I kind of went in the city center. I look at those youngsters like around your age or maybe around my age as well. Like, you know, they'd be, they be hanging out with their friends, karaoke, uh, drinking or whatever. But I had to work. So Saturday back then, I had to work seven hours kind of thing, like 11 a.m. until like six with some breaks in between. I work. Sunday, I used to teach in a village. So I had to wake up at 7 a.m., take two hours of bus to a village to teach two of my students, their siblings. So after teaching, I had to take two hours of bus back to Dublin. And I work Saturday and Sunday. During weekdays, I work as well. So after uni time, let's say if uni finished at 4 or 5 p.m., I, I work another two hours and stuff. Looking back, yes, I sacrificed my um, social time, but it helped to build my CV and, you know, experience a lot. So I kind of have no regrets about that, but it's really tough. Imagine like most of my friends, you know, they hang out during weekdays and stuff, but it, I kind of never did. I did it a little bit. I went out a little bit, but then uh, I was just tired all the time. Saturday especially, I finished by five or six. And then friends be asking me out for uh, dinner and stuff at seven or eight. I just felt like I don't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. So um, yeah, it's a transition from earning a, earning a lot of money to doing earning nothing. And even, you know, I got a job, started, started to earn a little bit of money from 7-Eleven kind of job. Still, I found it really difficult because my first job, cabin crew, to me, it wasn't a very tough job. I, I was confident in doing it. To a 7-Eleven, that was difficult. And basically, it's the lifestyle, you know. But uh, I'm happy about it. And yeah, that's... And if you want to ask me how I overcome... Or is that what overcame? I don't know which one is correct. Uh, I just told myself that one day when I look back, I, I would thank myself because I don't want to have a lot of debt left behind 
after completing unis. So yeah, it depends on, you know, if you ask me what's my advice to someone who comes from a middle background, should he or she do the same things as I did? I probably said no, because some people, because um, it's a lot of stress. Only if you can do it, then you do it. But some for some people, yes, you can have some 100, 200,000 of that, ringgit of that after uni, but it might be what they need. You know, they, they need social time to get through like the uni years or else they might fail their course. So it, it really depends on uh, what they can cope with, yeah. Nice. All right, that's like, wow, it's like tons of experience you have been through yeah. like, throughout your whole journey. Yeah, actually, I can keep talking if, I, <laughs> if you want me to, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all right. So uh, if, like, there's a chance for you to, like, if you look back on your past, is there anything you would like to change or, like, tell yourself? If I knew that one day I would come to Cambridge University or, you know, coming to the West and work, I have got two advice for my, you know, younger version of Ian. First thing uh, was try to improve your English speaking skills as early as possible because even, you know, I've been living in the West for about four years now. And it's also because, you know, we Malaysians, we study Malay, Mandarin, Cantonese, you know, all these things with English. There were times I really struggled. Uh, like, like now, for example, I have, it's, it's not to say that I, I'm actually thinking in Mandarin. It's just that I'm very careful with the way I use my grammar. So yeah, English, definitely do it way before like, SBM time. Because I only started to speak English uh, after joining Sunway University, the CMP course, because most of my classmates, they were not Malaysians. So that's how I got better. And second advice for myself would be um, practice more on my instruments. Because now, yes, I have all the grades, grade A's and diploma, but it's very tough to, you know, upskill during your uni time. So if, if let's say I got grade eights before I went to uni, then I, you know, it, would, it wouldn't be so difficult for me, the, the degree, the whole journey. Because I, I, yes, I, I kind of did my grade eights for my instruments when I was flying with the airlines. So it, I wouldn't say my practice sessions were focused because I had to fly between different cities. And then when I got back to Singapore, I, I rented like piano studios and practiced on a piano or if not an empty room to practice my flute or trumpet or whatever. But then, yeah, it's just different. But now looking back, I also know that SPM time was very tough as well. Like there were 10 subjects. But only if I knew that I have to go to Cambridge someday, still the same advice, English and yeah, music. English is like so, so, so important because... Yeah, it helps with essay writing and everything, you know, talking to friends from different countries. Yeah, that's it. Like, despite all of these challenges you have faced throughout this journey, have you actually yeah. thought of ever giving up? Sometimes I did. I actually, um, not at, at first, yes, back in 2017, when I joined a conservatoire, 
on a one-year diploma in music performance and teaching course. So it's a double major course. It's a one-year course, okay? So I just realized that I really, really like teaching, but my performance skill was like so-so. And I was the only person who got into a conservatoire with grade eight piano qualification. So if you got friends who study music, you would know that a lot of them, they got in with a diploma in music, which is a level higher than grade eight. So I was kind of lucky to get in, but I didn't go too far. So I, so what happened during my first year of university was that, yes, my teaching was quite good. I got kind of a distinction for that. But for teaching, I got a mere pass. So eventually, my grade was like 60% a second upper class. But I wasn't good enough to proceed into the second year of the Bachelor of Music because my performance was not good enough. And that was when I faced a really big challenge. I wanted to give up. I, I was like, okay, I can still finish my course. I get a second upper class diploma in music. It's at the, the end, you know. So that was the stage when I felt like, oh no, you know, like, I use up all my money. I feel that I'm not that great in music. And then uh, I felt really, really down. And I talked to the professors from my conservatoire, and they told me, when one door closes, another opens. So I started to, oh, I did not start immediately to apply to other, like, colleges or universities. It took me a time to, like, think about it. Should I give up or keep trying? Like, I don't have money to do anything. So, And then I discussed with my family members and friends. They said, like, just do two more years. Just finish a degree. You're already in Ireland, Dublin. Just do it. So I started to apply to other universities. Not only in music. I applied, I remember, a degree in uh, culinary arts, biology, something like that. Music as well. So eventually, I got into all the courses. I got offer letter. So one of the universities offered me a second year entry into their program, Bachelor of Music. So at first, I only got 40% scholarship based on my results and uh, interviews. And then um, I was already quite happy because the course fees were about, about 20,000 euro. So 40% off, you get 8,000 off. So I only had to pay 12,000. Not only, I mean, 12,000 is still a lot for me. And then I was like, happy. I was, al- I was already celebrating, okay? Like, oh, 40% scholarship. There's a university that wants to take me in. I was like celebrating. And then I somehow went to their website and I saw like there's something called a secondary scholarship. It's like you can upgrade a scholarship into a full or 50%. So um, I was like, okay, why not? So I, um, yeah. And then I applied for the scholarship online. Questionnaires. And then I, I was being very, very honest in answering the question. Uh, they asked like, oh, um, if you get the scholarship, full scholarship, what would you do to contribute to the school? Obviously, I said, okay, I will do whatever that helps with the uni, helps the uni, yeah. But I said, during my free time, I said, I, I told them because I come from a middle, like normal family, I still have to work a lot to pay my rent and everything while I was uh, maintaining my grade. First class honors is not wrong, I think, yeah. 
I said that uh, I still must work. So it would be nice if you can give me the full scholarship because I really want to like uh, finish my studies. And I was, I was being very honest during the interview as well. I told them, obviously, music performance is not my forte. It's not like I'm very pro in it. But I'm good in teaching. And I feel like I can do it really well kind of thing. And somehow they chose me. So out of, they chose three international students for the awards, for these awards, like full scholarship. And I got it. So um, I was really happy about it. And yeah, I'm sorry I talked so much. What was your question again? No, sorry. Yeah. I, 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 I talked a lot. I know all this link to the main question. So what yeah, was the does. question again? It's about how have you thought of giving out despite all the challenges? Yeah. So, yeah, thinking about that, it's about money, actually. So if I didn't get a full scholarship, I would give up. Straight away give up because I, I didn't have money to study. So that's my main thing. So eventually, I, yeah, that's the only time, that's the only time when I thought about giving up. And, yeah, and then uh, I got good grades at uni and then applied to Cambridge University. Uh, at that point in time, I never thought of giving up. I knew that uh, if I don't get into Cambridge, obviously, I, I, I had confidence in myself as I obviously I'll get into other universities for my master's degree. And then, yeah, so it was only during like my first year of uni. And afterwards, I was all right. Yeah. I see. I, I mean, like, uh, University of Cambridge is like everyone's dream school. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind it, of different though. If you uh, you're talking about get, getting into the undergraduate programs and the yeah. master degree level programs, is the the enrollment rate or you know the success rate is gonna be very different depending on the course you're gonna do. But for undergraduate, it's very 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 difficult because. <laughs> Yeah, you just have, you know, for A-levels, you have to get like A-star, A-star, A, or all A-stars. And people are competing against someone like that. If people at that level, all A-stars, and they're only taking kind of one person out of five yeah. or six. So, yeah. But as for master degree, probably it's not that competitive. Maybe one or over two candidates or let's say there's 50 applicants a day 20 I'm not sure about this yeah but mm. yeah but studying in Cambridge is definitely something that I never thought about <laughs> you know growing up in Kajang Satay Town every day it's Satay like Cambridge uh, when I was younger I, I didn't even know what's Cambridge University or Oxford because it's just not possible and uh, within my friends group like Yes, like, you know, our biggest dream was just to, like, study, oh, in Monash, you know, like, wow, it's a very good uni, or, like, uh, you know, the Nottingham University, is, is that in yeah, yeah. I yep. think so. Yeah, 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 so those were my dreams, you know, like, oh, get into those uni, and then, um, yeah, I would say it's because of my job, Kevin cool job, I, I got to see, like, the world, and then I started to, like, realize that, oh, there's other universities as well. New York University and then uh, Tokyo so I started to think like oh maybe yeah why not just apply to the good ones kind of thing just to try out 
Mm, yeah. yeah. All right. So before we end this podcast, yeah, uh, we have a last question for you, which is um, what okay. encouragement or advice would you give to the youth nowadays about like following their passion, just like how you decided to switch your pathway back to music? Okay. Uh, to youth. Yep. Okay. Uh. So listen, you are still very young. Like if, even if you're like 25, you're young. And then uh, shouldn't let your age, you know, is that, is that a word called dictate? Dictate, yeah, dictate. Whatever you're going to do. Um, if you have a passion for something, just go for it. And then re- remember that you only have one life. So, you know, make sure you do something that you really want to do. and. Yeah, make realistic goals. It's good to have dreams and goals, but make it make them realistic, and then enjoy what you want to do. And what else? Ah, it's always to be late than never. So, you know, sometimes you might give up what what you want to do, but on the spot. Okay, I'm not good enough for this. It's okay. But think about if you achieve this small dream of yours or maybe a big dream of yours 10 years later like is it worth it like does it make it make you happy so yeah that's that's why i always tell myself um you know i I don't have to be a successful like young hashtag young musician but even if i achieve this at 35 years old it's fine like you know no one is there to like measure your lifespan like oh you must be this good at this age you know like don't care about what they say. Set yourself realistic goals, and it's really okay to be late than ever. That that's my only advice. Yeah. All right, that's really nice, and we hope that the audience uh, keep in mind on what uh, Ian just shared with us. And yes, thank you so much, Ian, for uh, sharing your inspiring story with us. And thank you. For... I'm sorry that I talk a lot, and a lot of times oh. I will talk other things. And I forget my question. But we truly enjoy it. Even, eventually, I think eventually it linked back to the question. Yeah, it just, yeah, definitely. Because I experience a lot of things in life and then I just like to talk. That's why I was a cabin crew member. And yeah, thank you for inviting me for this session. Yeah, so we hope the audience enjoy uh, listening to your story. And I'm pretty sure they all feel like, inspired by your story. Yeah, so see you, see you all in the next podcast. Bye.